song. Uh, uh, Betty and I and John went to the to um, where were we? Flagstaff, Arizona. Met the uh, the people who ran Operation Blessed for the entire West Coast of the United States. He was the director of that, and we met with all the uh, the tribal leaders of the of the Navajo Reservation there, so how we could uh, minister to the Navajo Nation. And uh, this guy gets up there with an acoustic guitar, and sings that song. Where's that song yet? I called the guy from California who brought that song. I said, man, I need that song. He, he sent me a cassette. This is a long time ago. I don't care. He sent me a cassette. It's a double cassette of worship from England. It was, I guess, Hosanna, not Hosanna, but in te- uh, was it Integrity or was it uh, the other? No, Vineyard. Vineyard, the vineyard, the uh, yeah, man, winds of worship, all those, oh Lord, that song, you could play, you should play that song, at least once a week, and meditate on what it's really saying. It ain't about us. If you really get that right, it becomes about you too. You know, he's gonna include you because he loves you. He wants you to be with him. But just get your priorities right, focusing right. I love it. I don't care if you don't think I can sing. I don't care. <laughs> Jesus knows I do. Come on up here, sister. <laughs> he has good taste, stud. <laughs> We're going to pray for our sister, who we love. He likes her too, Billy. Oh, I'm his babe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> get, get in line. <laughs> Lord, we thank you that it is about you. And what a wonderful thing, Lord, that you would let us be a part of what you do. It's just amazing to me. and It's very, very humbling and enriching and precious indeed. And then you pick people out and say, would you, would you participate with me and speak for me? Wow, even more humbling and precious. I wouldn't trade for it, no matter what. It is about you, and boy, you're you're beyond words. Discovery of you is the quest of my life, and I know it is for many, many people here. And then you send people like Janine, a prophet, and you speak to those deep, deep things that run around in our hearts and in our spirits. Sometimes we cannot even define them, and then you send some along that not just defines it, but it puts it like almost in a psalm. It makes sense. It's words that we wish we could say. But your spirit works in all of us to do these wonderful things. We ask that you would do it tonight for the glory of the one who sent her, Jesus. Amen. Oh, that's good. We're going to go back to Luke. <clears throat> Two services in the New Testament. Wow. <laughs> I know. I'm glad y'all are sitting down. I love the Old Testament, but God did make the New Testament. So um, we're going to talk. We're going to go back to the road to Emmaus, and we're going to talk about 
the walking. Um, so it's going to be Luke 24. As we said this morning, Jesus has Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection has happened. And um, the men are walking on the road. And Jesus walks with them. He shows up. Jesus walks with them. And their understanding was darkened. And they didn't know that it was Jesus that was walking with them. And so Jesus, let me see, verse 21. Let's go back to verse 19. Um, and he said to them, what things? Because they were, tell, they were saying, um, Jesus asked them to begin with in verse 17. He says, what kind of conversation is this that you're having with one another? You're walking and you're sad. So you're so intense and you're so sad. Why are you so sad? And so they, and, and they said, well, have you been under a rock for the last few days you know are you the only one left in Jerusalem that doesn't know what happened and he said what things Jesus said what things like he didn't know you know it's funny Jesus never asks this question that he doesn't know the answer to it's not he's not asking us questions because he wants to know the answer he's asking us questions because he's getting at something in us and he's trying for you to get that information he already knows um And then they start talking to Jesus about, um, so in verse um, 19, he says to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. And here's the piece. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Mm. Mm. The Passion Translation says we hoped that he would be the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. So they go on to tell Jesus about how, well, we thought Jesus was going to be the one to redeem Israel. Okay, Rod Generation. (laughs) Didn't we think that this was going to be it? Didn't we think that our life was going to be different? I was supposed to be famous by now. <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm telling you the truth. God was supposed to use me years ago on a much wider platform than under Texas. <laughs> Pastor Paul, that's funny. And, um, you know, you laugh about it now, but I'm being honest. I'm being honest. Oh, you know, I always do that when I see the two of you. I always go, oh, and they know it's for them. Um, so... God was supposed to use me. I was supposed to have children. Not be, not have issues with that, Michael. I was supposed to be married before I was 40. The promise, let me tell you, I was a little one. I was a little one and church people would pick out and prophesy over We're dealing with some good stuff tonight. I'm all excited. Because you know what we're dealing with in the rod generation? We're dealing with heart sickness and sorrow. We're going to deal with us some sorrow tonight and some heart sickness. Here's Jesus. And they said, you know, we knew that Jesus was going to be it. And they killed him. And we don't know where he is. You know, the awesome thing about Jesus is that he was right there. And they walked with him and they didn't know. That Jesus was right there. 
Do you know that Jesus has never once in the midst of my tears and yelling at him? And let me tell you that I've yelled at him. And let me tell you, if you yell at anything, you can, anyone, you can yell at Jesus all day long. It doesn't bother him. It doesn't get him mad or upset. He, he wants you to communicate with him. And if you need to communicate with him on a yell, he's got it. He can do it. Because he'd rather have you yell at him than not yell at, not talk to him at all. So we need to get past that concept that, that God gets offended. <laughs> that God gets offended. But let me tell you, he does yank your chain. There's been a couple times when, when I have spoken to God and he has looked at me and he said, are you done? And he said it, Nick, has he not? He, I know he said it too. He said, are you done? And that's when you look at him and you say, yes, sir, I believe I am. I'm not joking. That's exactly how you answer. Yes, sir, I believe you. I am. I believe I am. Well, let me tell you about this. And he starts talking to me about it. And it changes my perspective. And now what he's doing, he's not mad at me. He's not offended with me. He's bringing correction. He's saying, Janine, you're off. And you're letting your emotions and you're letting your heart sickness and you're letting your sorrow or you're letting your anger speak what is not truth. But you're taking it as truth. And you're getting carried away with it. Now let me pull you back to what's going on. Let me pull you back to center. So we need to deal with us. We need to deal with some sorrow less. Life has not turned out like what we thought it was going to be. Now, sore generation, let me tell you, this will hit you. It's not going to hit you now because life hasn't happened as much for you as it has happened for us. But it will hit you. There'll be some birthday that you have. There'll be some monument that you have. Something happened. And it's going to ring in you, I was supposed to, and fill in the blank by now. It's going to hit you. And the enemy's going to have a heyday with it. And you're going to feel like a failure. Ooh, Shanna, that's, we're going to break that over you. You're going to feel like a failure because you haven't filled in the blank. One thing that has been a core belief of mine, and I know this not just because I am a prophet, which is special for me because... As a prophet, God is specific with your life. So um, if you are called as a prophet, there is not one step that you take that's out of step with him. In that, I mean, I just, I'm telling you that he corrects it quicker than you think he does because you speak for him. So I know when I, when I start getting anxious and I'm not seeing God open the right doors. I'm not seeing progress in my life where I want to see it. I know that God's working in the background. He's doing things I can't see. And if I just stay in his timing, I'm going to get to point B. But when I get ahead of his timing, that's when I get in trouble. So I try to stay in his timing. Now the challenge for, and I'm going to hit something else. And I hate using this with women because I, it just really raises my cackles. But it's truth. Um, women, we can't control. Like, I'm not, and I'm going to tell men that the same thing because I'm going to be equal opportunity stepper. You can't control. And we like women to, well, you know, we like, we, we get accused of controlling. But I'm telling you, men, you just have your own little party with that too. We like to control because the fear in us is we don't know what God's going to do or what he's going to say no to or what he's going to open or what he's going to deal with or what he's going to reveal. And I, I, I can control the outcome if I can control it. 
and you can't control it. God will let you play with that for a little while. And then it gets so big and it's so, um, it, it gets way beyond you quickly. And then you can't control it. You always think you can control sin for a while. You always think you can control it. But you end up paying way more than you ever thought you were going to pay. So these people walk with Jesus. These two people walk with Jesus and they still don't have, don't have a clue. They just know they like this guy. And they don't have a clue what... Oh, that was funny. Good job. Um, her cell phone went off. It sounded like a cricket. But um, they just know that they like this man. They don't know who he is. So they offer him to stay with them. Jesus is like, you know, I'll go a little bit farther. They said, don't stay with us. Jesus still knows that they don't know who he is. And you know what Jesus does? He feeds them. He doesn't get offended. He doesn't get mad. He doesn't get his feelings hurt. He feeds them. Do you know what we don't do? That. We don't do that. Well, they, you know, if they knew who I was, Nick, you know. If they know, well, if they just knew my gifting, if they just knew my office. We, our job is to feed them. Our job is to feed them less. Our job is to break bread, bless them, bless it, and give it to them. That's our job. That's the gospel. We can all go home now. That's the word. We have to feed them, regardless if they know who you are. God takes care of the outcome. God takes care of the scales. If Jesus can feed them, and they didn't recognize that he was the absolute son of God, how much more should we without face, should we without name, should we without position, should we without demands meet their needs and feed them? That's just for free because that's not my point. So... Who are you walking with? Do you know who you're walking with? Do you know the people that you're walking with? Do you know that some of, some of the times that have caused the biggest pain in your life, you have not known Jesus was there? Do you know that he is there with you in your pain? Do you know he's not judging you in your pain? No, I mean, that's a word for you. Because... I said this morning, and I'm going to say it again. We see God as we see our parents, our earthly parents. So our earthly parents are just the best they can do. They, have the, they did the best they could do. But God is so far transcendent past that. So he's not sitting in heaven with a clipboard going, Oh, Shanna, if you would have just cleaned your closet today, I could do something with you. He's not doing that. Because... Let me tell you, you have a Mary and Martha issue here. Mary chose the precious part. Martha kept the house. (laughs) You know? They both had relationships with Jesus. We give Martha a bad name. They both had relationships with Jesus. They were just different. Who are you walking with? Are you seeing Jesus in your life? Are you seeing Jesus in in your pain? Are you seeing Jesus in your sorrow? Are you ready to let go of your sorrow? Because I sure really would like to let, let's let go of it this evening. Let's let go of, of the heart sickness. Let's let go of the promises that didn't come. The promises that didn't happen, and the, or even the promises on the altar. We had the word this morning, it's time to take them off. They're not going to look like what we put them down on there as. They're going to look different when you pick them up now. They're going to be more anointed now. They're going to be more anointed now because they've been on the altar. God can do something when you burn off all the crap. 
That's a real good religious word, isn't it, it, Paul? Crap. When you burn off all the crap, God's like, okay, now I can do something. Because it really isn't about you. It really is about him. So I was chatting with my husband like all good wives do. And I was talking about who are you walking with and do you see Jesus in the midst of this? And he brought out really good points. And so I'm going to use them. He brought out the people that that walked with Jesus. And so I started studying the people that walked with Jesus. Like you think, you know what's really funny? We have been in the church a long time, and we think we know stuff. That's funny. We really think we know because we know all the stories. But let me tell you, when God speaks something to your heart, you need to study it. You need to go in the word like you know nothing about it, and you need to study it. And let me tell you, God always meets you in the middle of that study, and he always parts my hair, so I know he's going to part yours. So let me tell you about my new favorite disciple. My new favorite disciple is Peter. Peter walked with God. Peter walked with Jesus. I imagine him to have squirrely, a big head of squirrely hair and a little bit ADD. You know, he's a little bit like um, William, kind of runs into something and has no clue what he's doing. Um, <laughs> yep, that's him. He was, now Peter was, was the, one of the first disciples chosen. Peter said, Peter said, where do we go? You're the one that has the words of life. That's Peter. Peter, you know who walked on the water to Jesus? Peter. The rest of them stayed in the boat. You know who got out? Peter. When Jesus asked, who, who do the people say that, who do you say that I am? Who do the people say that I am? Do you know who knew who Jesus was? Peter. He said, oh, you're the Messiah. That was Peter. And then a few verses later, a few verses later, Jesus looked at him and called him Satan. If I've offended you, I have not called you Satan. Just have to say that. That's funny. Um, do you know who cut off the high priest here? Peter. Don't you love him? Do you know he denied Jesus three times? Peter denied Jesus three times. But let me tell you, in Acts, Peter and John are in front of the temple. And they say, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. You know what happened? He rose up and walked. Do you know who was yoked with Jesus? Peter. Peter walked with Jesus. And Jesus walked with Peter. Do you know who else walked with Jesus? Judas. He was there most of the time Peter was. There were times that Jesus went off with his favorites, Peter and and John and Jesus, and they went and prayed. But Judas was right there with Peter most of the time. Do you know the outcome was different? Do you know who was never really yoked with Jesus? Judas. Judas wasn't really yoked with Jesus. He was in it for himself. And the 30 pieces of silver. Do you know what we each have had in our lives? Judas. We've all had a Judas. Probably more than one. Do you know who we need to forgive? Judas. Because they walked with us. We had a Judas. And they walked with us. And they broke our hearts. And you know what we have done? Oh, this is where we get to do this. God told me we're going to do this. And I wondered where in the service. And he just plopped this right in. Women, we are going to pray over you.
We're going to stop and pray over you. Let me tell you what you women have done. There's been some man in your life that has broke your heart. You can put your Bibles, Lindsay, put your notes down. I want all the women to put your notes down and just listen to me. Um, Because you won't want to take notes with us. There's been some man in your life that has been a Judas in your life. There's been some man in your life, women, that has taken advantage of you, whether it has been um, emotionally, sexually, physically. There's some man that's been abusive to you. There's some man that has just chewed you up and spit you out. And you have required, you've, you've said in your heart, I will never trust another man like that. I will never allow another man to do that to me, ever. And what it does, it creates a wall that no one can go over. And you come up against that, and you don't know what to do to get healing for it. Is it valid? A hundred percent valid. A hundred percent valid. Absolutely valid. Because what we do is we don't understand how to, how to bring healing to our hearts. So what we do is we put walls up out of self-protection. We all do that. Male, female, we all do that. But... God doesn't like walls. So he wants to come in and move in your hearts, new and fresh. So what I want you to do, and when you make a vow, I will never, that is called a vow. That's called a vow. And we want to break that inner vow so that God can bring healing to your hearts. So I don't want to make you stand up. But I'm really not above that. <laughs> I'm really not. Let's just, let's just be straight, Nick. I'm not above that. I want, if you have said this, women, if you have said this in your heart, if you have said this in your heart, I will never let another man, fill in the blank, you have to stand up right now. Kim, I'm going to make you stand up. Okay. I know you have. That's why I've been picking on you. But you know I love you. And you know that I love you. Um, all right. Do we have everybody? Um, I, I, want you to, um, I want you to put your hand on your, on your chest, not on your heart, on your chest. And I want you to, I want you to ask. I want you to ask God to forgive you. God, please, I repent of making this vow. You don't have to repeat after me. I want you to do it yourself. God, I repent for making this vow. I repent for this wall. I repent for saying that no man will ever, and you can fill in the blank. Now, Larry, I want you to come repent. I want you to come and... And Larry's going to minister the rest of this. Hmm. Okay, man. I I know that men have run into this with their wives. No doubt about it. Man, I, I just want to look. look pray with you on this. I want to, together, we're going to let it go. Father, in Jesus' name, they've done as good as they can do. 
That's all that's required. That is all that is required from us as men. And now I am asking you, God, as the priest of the home, we accept the repentance and we wash it away. It is no longer an issue with me as a man and your husband. So all the things in the past that have studied us as men, I choose to let that go as well. It will not be a hindrance to me again. I will, with what wisdom that you will give me now, that I am now asking for, be led by you, O God, back into her heart, back to where it was, with great wisdom and tenderness and understanding and much patience. But right now, I choose as her head to begin to walk in a different way together. We're going to go this way now. I choose to put this behind us. And together, however long this takes, we are going into the promised land of God here for this portion of our life. And I'm saying, as a minister of God, this will be bread for us. This will not be defeat. This will strengthen our relationship because this is what God has redeemed. This is the kingdom for us. So we together give you thanks. We together Rejoice in you, Jesus. Amen. I agree. You can sit down. We're not totally done, but that was just a little jump start. So if we're going to look at relationships, we're going to look at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They knew Jesus. The difference, if you if you contrast the, the men on the two, the Men on the road to Emmaus and Mary, Martha, and, Jesus, and Lazarus, they didn't know who God, they didn't know who Jesus was. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus knew exactly who Jesus was. And so when Lazarus died, when Lazarus was sick and Jesus got the word and he kind of waited a little bit and, and he shows up, Mary runs out to meet him and she said, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. That's somebody who knew who Jesus was knew exactly what his power was, and acknowledged him. Listen, if you that's called relationship, absolutely called relationship. Then she knew exactly who Jesus was. So tonight, are you bringing Jesus into your issue? Are you walking with him, or are you not? Are you meeting him at the road saying, if you would have been here, my dream wouldn't have died. If you would have been here, my promise wouldn't have died. If you would have been here, my son wouldn't have died. Or my daughter wouldn't have died. Or my fill in the blank. That's relationship. That's still relationship. I know who God is.
husbands and wives, are you, are you yoked together? Are you going the same direction? Are you going the same direction? Well, I, <laughs> we don't know what direction you're going in anyway. Um, let me tell you that what was a really big healing thing for me, and, and I, really want, I really want wives to hear this. What was really healing in my relationship with Russ lately has been that he takes care of me. Now, I want you to, you're thinking that's a, that's, a, that's a small deal and bless little Janine's heart. No, it's huge. Do you know he gets up and um, he makes breakfast for me. Sometimes he packs interesting lunches. He packs lunches for me because he loves me. He does things for me. Do you know what we don't allow our husbands to do is to take care of us. Because somewhere we have purchased the lie that says that we are an American woman. We can bring home the bacon. We can fry it up in a pan. Let me tell you, I'm just going to, this Me Too crap is demonic. It's demonic. It's not okay. If you have one of those hats, I will pray over you. And I will light it myself. It's demonic. And if you can't see the demon behind it, ask Will and I. We will help you see it. It's demonic. Because let me tell you why it's demonic. We take, we're in a partnership. Russ takes care of me, and I take care of him. Oh, do you just say something bad about Russ? I am all over you. Am I not? My brother, we were, we were <laughs> I have two older brothers, and I have one that we live next to and one that I see every seven years. And um, that kind of, I know, five to seven. I love him, but it's better that I love him from a distance, just saying, just putting it out there. And um, he loves Jesus, we're good. Um, but we were cleaning out my dad, when my dad died, we are cleaning out my dad's house. And nobody was in charge, because my family, we don't have leaders. We didn't raise any leaders. So in an absence of leaders, if my husband was there, he steps in. I'm just telling you now, it's his gifting, and he's going to do it. If there's an absence of a leader in any meeting, in any gathering, anywhere, he's going to step into it because that's what he does. So we had a limited amount of space to clean my dad's house, limited amount of time, and there were no leaders. So Russ stepped in, and beforehand he said, Janine, listen, I love you dearly going to spend the rest of my life with you. You're not going to like me for the next four hours. It's not, you did. And he said, it's not personal, but we have to get this done. Somebody's got to be in charge. So, I mean, he just was general Emmerich. And we got it done in half the time. But in the middle of that, my brother meets me by the car. And he said, we were both loading stuff. And he said, oh, Janine, can you just slip your husband a Valium? That's all he had to say. That's all he had to say. I parted his hair. He backed away from me. My brother's 10 years older than me. I mean, he just, and, and Russ is coming around the corner to see if he needs to help me. I had it. I had it. It's my job as a wife to have my husband's back. Men, you need to allow your wives to have your back. Sometimes you need to allow them to have their, you know, to get their whatever up, to get their dander up. Sometimes, sometimes 
We just need to get our dander up just a little bit. Do we not? We do. Because we own. It makes us own you. Listen, you are, that man is mine. And I will take you out if you look at him twice the wrong way. But he's the same way with me. We need to be that way with each other. And women, we need to allow them to be men. Oh, let me say that one again. Women, we need to allow men to be men. They're going to smell. They're men. They work outside. They sweat. They wear the same clothes for three days. They're going to smell. It's what men do. I mean, it's what you do. God love them. We were talking about how we like our husband's smell. Don't talk to Lindsay about that. Just don't. I won't say it out loud in front of everybody, Lindsay. You're safe. Um, but women, we can... I'm going to use this word because it's harsh. We can castrate our husbands quicker than anything. And we need to repent and stop it. You are not in charge. Women, stop it. You are not in charge. You are not in charge. Your husband's in charge. We're in charge together. Russ and I are a team. You're a team. We have a, Russ and I have a nephew that he's about six, and um, we were we have a little chimney in the back of our yard, and um, Russ was having he was just burning twigs and stuff, smoking a cigar, burning twigs on the chimney, and he was having little Charlie pick out t- twigs, and Charlie was like, because the flames are just going out of this chimney, and I'm just thinking, oh dear Lord, how I explained to his mother that yeah, your son has just burned to death on these twigs. Because, you know, the flames are just shooting out the top. And I'm thinking. And so Charlie was going around our yard picking up twigs, and he was doing this thing. And then when the fire would go down, he'd throw one in really quick. And then he'd run and go find some more twigs, and he would, he would go back and forth like this. And I'm like, and he was loving it. Let me tell you, he was loving it. And I'm sitting there watching, and Russ is just really calm. And he's like, okay, go ahead, Charlie. Go find another one. And Charlie would go out and find another one. He was doing it. I said, Russ, how did you know that Charlie needs to do that? I mean, how did you know that he would like that? He said, little boys always need to do manly things. And that shifted something in me. And I thought, you know who... And Holy Spirit just, brought, just spoke this to me this afternoon. He said, you know who makes men, little boys into men? Men. That's who makes little boys into men, is men. In a thousand years, I wouldn't think that a six-year-old little boy would like to pick up twigs and throw it in a chimney that's on fire. Yeah, but I didn't get that. Uh, well, we do have... <laughs> So I, who, um, I, we're going we're gonna to pray over the men now. We prayed over the women. We're going to pray over the men. Um, there is something about a lack of maturity in the younger generation that has never been before the sword generation. It's never been before then. Um, Russ and I went to, um, Peter Jackson colorized a bunch of film for World War I, correct? World War I. And these are... 
These are boys, 13, 14, 15. And you just wept because it colorized a time in history when all the movies were black and white and it made it real. And you would see these boys going to war and the look of terror in their face as they're trying to be brave, but they were just playing in the yard a few months ago. was shocking. I mean, it was, it was one of the best things that we had watched. And you can't do that now. You can't send us. I mean, not that, well, it's, well it's, it's illegal to begin with. But there is a, an immaturity in people where, in the, in the younger generation, in the men that have never, I've never seen before this generation. It is frightening to me sometimes that they vote. I know that sounds bad, but I'm saying is they don't think well. Men think well. We have somehow, we have somehow, I'm trying not to use that word. We have somehow shifted their thinking to where they don't have to be responsible. They don't have to, they can live at home till they're 75. They don't have to have a full-time job and be, and pay taxes. They can date someone and not have to marry them and have all the benefits. Or they don't have to even work at all. They can live off the, of the government. I'm just saying we have not made men out of our boys. So I'm, I heard this. I heard the Holy Spirit say we're going to call them into manhood. And so I want, if you are, what would you say the breakoff is for the sword generation age-wise? The youngest. And the, I mean, what's... If you're 40, huh? Let's do 50 and down. If you're 50 and down, I want you, and a male, I want you to stand up. No, I'm doing the sword generation. I want to be young. 50 and down. Okay, I want Tim, I want Larry and Tim and Russ. I want you to come up here. I want Mike, can you come? Are you okay to come? I want Mike to come. No, I just pointed at him. Mike Cook. Um, who else? Who else? Yeah. No, he's. Doug, where are you? Come on. Doug, there you are. I want you to come up. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy, come up. Listen, if you're 50 and older, if you're 51 and older, come up to the front. Let's just do that. Why am I going? How old are you, Mike? 40. Oh, stand there then. If you're 50, if you're 51 and older, come up to the front. If you're 50 and below, I want you to stand up. That's an easy way to do that. Now, what we're going to do is these these men. I'm not going to give each one of them. Mike will be here all night. What we're going to do is they're going to call you into manhood. They're going to call you out of a boyhood. They're going to call you out of indecision. They're going to call you out of not being able to make a decision. They're going to call you out of an emotional mess that's been going on in your head. They're going to call you out of imbalance. They're going to call you out of immaturity into manhood. And I want you to allow Holy Spirit to minister to your heart. I want Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. And just let him come minister to you. 
And however that looks, Larry, and whoever you think, I think a couple of them need to pray, but definitely you. And call them into me. And then they need to, if you're not praying, you need to extend your hand and, and join in so that we're all doing this together. So you're extending your hands out. You're praying for them. Okay. Any guys get anything, just come up here and grab the mic. So, I want to start with the proverb. My son, give me your heart. This is where we start. If I have your heart, I can call you into your calling. So I'm asking you to extend that right now to my father. God, here's my heart. Now, Lord, with an open heart, these guys up here, we extend our hands to these ones in the audience. And we do exactly what James and John did at the gate beautiful. That's exactly it. We're not talking about what silver and gold and things of this world, but what I have, we give to you. We give it to you. With no hose barred. Oh yes. And, and, and with this too. With the liberty of being a man. No one is going to judge this, what you do with it. This is without hooks. There's no hook. This is without our expectation. We are, in fact, entrusting this to you. You do with it as you see fit. Our part is to give it. And so now we, as the older ones, say this, just like James and John said. We say to you, now rise up and walk as men and direct us all into this warfare that is ahead of us. We claim you as the head of the spear and we throw it out there now in the name of Jesus. The men of this generation, we declare it to be so. I want, I want each of you to find someone to, um, each of the older ones to go to a younger one and bless them. I want you to bless them. And you can get more than, you can do it more than one. But I'm going to take a minute and I want you to go to the older ones to go to the younger ones and bless them. Father, we just say, we just seal it in Jesus' name. Father, we just seal it by Holy Spirit. And we just say, be free to be exactly who you are. And we just agree that you come from, you come into a place of manhood in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Oh, 
We're gonna we're gonna worship just a little bit. Just a skosh. Thank you, Father. You can start playing anytime, and then I'm then eventually I'll let you know when it's all right. We're going to deal with some heart sickness. You can, if you've been ministered to, you can sit down. I'm not telling you to sit down, but you can sit down. See, we haven't seen Holy, we haven't seen Jesus walk with us. If you have heart sickness, you haven't seen him in your situation. There's been a lack of seeing who Jesus is in your situation. You know what? Honestly, I mean, sometimes I haven't seen Jesus walking with me, and I felt incredibly alone. And Jesus has had to take me back and say, Janine, I've never left you here. Let me show you. Because what God has kept us from, Father, Father, what you have kept us from that we have not seen has been a oh God what you have kept us from Father sometimes we get so caught up in what we've gone through we forget to thank you for what you've kept kept us from Father you've kept us from so many things that we didn't understand we didn't see and Father you've kept us from so much more sorrow than what we know and we're grateful Father Here's what I want you to do. If you have had heart sickness for any reason, if there's been something in you where you have felt lack of hope or you have felt dead, you get a walk tonight. We're going to walk. I know it's going to take you a while to make a laugh, Kim. I want you to walk a lap around the church. And you know why? Because I want you to walk. And as you walk, you say, Father, I'm I'm not seeing you walking with me. Did you walk with me? I want you to ask him. Now, I'm still going to minister to you and prophesy over you and all the good stuff that I do. But I want you to ask him. I want you to walk out some of this heart sickness. I want you to make the effort to walk this with him. Because he's so here. It's like he just went. Sometimes God requires us to do a physical action to get past our pain, to get past what has happened to us. So I'm asking you, if you have dealt with heart sickness, if you have dealt with a death of vision, if you have been angry with God, if you've been upset with God, if you, if you haven't seen him in your pain, if you haven't seen him in your heartache, then Kim knows I love her. And some of the hardest words I've given, I've given to this woman. But let me tell you, I would go to, I'd go to any battle with Kim any day of the week. There's not a woman on this earth that battles better than this woman. 
so I know she's going to make a laugh. Exactly, you know, exactly. Or 10, we'll just turn the lights off um, when we all go. So Kim, start. Because I can have Kim start, and she'll start. Because Kim is always where, she's always going to be exactly where she is, and she's going to tell you where she is. That's such a blessing. Because sometimes we don't own where we are. And we don't want to own that we're angry with God. Lindsay, you want to walk now, or do you want to just wait till she gets to you? It's time to walk a little bit. It's time to take a lap or two and say, Father, I'm sick of walking without, and I don't see you in the midst of this, and I have to see you in the midst of my pain, and I'm going to walk it till I see you. We're going to worship a little bit, and then we're going to see what Holy Spirit does. And I don't care if you walk in front. I don't care if you walk down the middle. We're just going to walk a little bit. If you need to take a lap, take a lap, take two, until you hear, until you know that you can see Him in your pain, until you know you can see Him walking with you, till He has blessed and broken, and you can see Him and you can see that He's with you, take a lap.